Good morning. Am I already on? How about that? All right. I was expecting it not to be on. Good thing I didn't say anything weird. <laughs> All right. I'm going to open in a word of prayer, but we're going to be starting off in Matthew 7. So Matthew chapter 7, if you want to find that. We're going to be talking about what can be a sensitive topic, but something that we need, that every church needs to talk about. Title of the message today is The Wolf Pack. Pack of Wolves. Scripture warns the church about wolves within the church as an analogy for something we need to watch out for. So let me first open in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for today, for fantastic worship, for your presence, Lord, for the the healing, what you're doing with the Harbor House, what you're doing in this church, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that you have your way in this message. I pray that it has the impact that you desire it to have above all else, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew seven 15. Let's start off there. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. You know, what a lovely topic for a Sunday morning, right? But a very important one. So Jesus is talking here. He gives this one little sentence has a lot in it. Watch out for false prophets. Come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. And you've been in church really any amount of time. That becomes kind of a catchphrase, right? Yeah, wolves in sheep's clothing. Even outside the church, people throw that around. Wolves in sheep's clothing and Somewhere in the course of it being a catchphrase, we lose what it means. It just becomes something you label that somebody that you don't like. I don't like that person, so I'm going to stick them with the label of they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, our objective today is to d- dive into this and what does he actually mean by this? What is it actually, how can we actually benefit from this warning? In pondering this message, I kind of thought, this is kind of a strange time to cover this. I, I don't think we have anything going on of people being wolves in sheep's clothing. Why are we talking about this, Lord? And that's the perfect time to talk about it is when you don't currently have it happening. That way you're ready when it does happen. Because it's a lot harder to talk about when it's already happening and uh, people are already getting hurt. So this is exactly the time that you address something like this. So you're ready when you do need it. Jesus uses these an- analogy. He calls sheep. We know what sheep are, right? That's the that's people that are following the shepherd, Christ. And he's telling us, hey, there's going to be some people that are going to look like that, but actually on the inside there are wolves. Interesting he uses wolves. That's a predator. That's going to cause, if you're a sheep, a wolf's going to cause you harm and cause you damage. And I think as we dive into this, we're going to see that analogy is even better than that. The deeper we get into what is a wolf, the more, the more useful that analogy becomes. I'm pretty sure most of us have been in church long enough or have an idea already that we probably have seen what a wolf looks like. I'm going to try to define it, but a lot of us have probably already seen you're in the church, and this is how it goes. 
Somebody starts gathering a pack around them. That's why the sermon's called Wolf Pack. This is the nature of a wolf. They're pack hunters. Somebody gets upset. They gather people around them. They go after somebody. Get my, I get my pack together. I target and I go after my prey. That's how a wolf works. And Jesus uses that analogy that there's going to be some in the church that are going to do that. What, what do I, and when I say they're going to do that, they're going to do harm, what kind of harm do they do? I mean, I know in my experience, I've seen churches close over that. I've seen pastors lose their faith and renounce Christ and go back into the world. I've seen families torn apart with divorce. I mean, I've seen quite a bit of harm from this. So I don't want to understate how dangerous this is. Church split, church in, the end of a church. I know people that were young in Christ, they got so discouraged by what they saw that they'd left, they gave, they gave up their faith. It, it wounded people, maybe not even directly involved, but they were so disgusted with what they saw, it wounded them. Pastors torn apart by it. It can be really ugly. Uh, we were out in the woods yesterday playing disc golf, and we see a bunch of fur on the ground, so that, no, realizing that something got tore apart by a predator. And I didn't realize till just now how well that fit in, but when you see the aftermath of what a predator does to its prey, it's, it's, it's ugly. So in the interest of avoiding that, what do we do? What do we do about it? I want to dive into that. So right back in Matthew chapter 7, I want to read some more of it. What does Jesus have to say? Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. By their fruit you will know them. But wait, not not their words? Or not their looks? Aren't, aren't they going to come and aren't they going to be like a villain and we're going to know them right away? Nope. Aren't they going to say the things that we, oh yeah, that's that's definitely a wolf. No. And sheep's clothing means they're disguised. Are they going to... What I, t- what I tend to picture when people say, like, stereotypes, like wolf in sheep's clothing, they picture, like, some cult leader, some creepy person that you, that you would know, like, across the street that that person's trouble. That's not what they, that's not what a wolf in sheep's clothing really looks like. Otherwise, they wouldn't really be that dangerous. Everybody would stay away from them and say, no, no, they're obviously not, not gonna follow that person. That's not what it looks like. It's a person that you really thought was a sheep, Turned out to be a wolf. And in this verse and the next one we're going to go to, we're going to see some really interesting characteristics that I didn't realize how consistent Scripture gives some very, gives the, gives a rather short but very effective pattern of what it, of what a wolf looks like. Before I get there though, I want to deal with some things, some misconceptions that we have. Get those out of the way, and then we'll come back to what are we what are we talking about with a wolf? So here's some misconceptions. Somebody hurt my feelings; they must be a wolf in sheep's clothing. You'll hear somebody I tell you their past experience. Oh, yeah. Not 
Getting your feelings hurt is not necessarily the bite of a wolf. Sometimes it's just a, a truth spoken in love that you just couldn't quite handle. Proverbs 27 has been on my mind a lot lately, and it fit right into this sermon. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. In our polite society, we've lost a lot of the art of your friend telling you what you need to hear. And sometimes it hurts, but the wounds from a friend can be trusted. And in the church at times, we say, that person hurt my feelings. They, that must be the bite of a wolf. They must be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Are they, or did they just tell you something you didn't want to hear and hurt your feelings? Maybe you responded the wrong way to somebody that was actually your friend and giving you wounds that you could trust. The warning actually here is that you're in, that the, an enemy, a wolf, is more likely to flatter you than insult you. More likely to win you over with their words, not the, the people that actually told you what you didn't want to hear are the, probably the ones you could really trust. I can tell you from my own experience I've been thinking about thinking back through this lately, and you know the things that really prompted me to grow were people were people that I know, spiritual uh, spiritual leaders, mentors, something who told me something I didn't really want to hear at the time, and it was kind of hard, but telling me to hey, you have this issue, you need to you need to grow up. You need to not think about yourself so much. You need to do, I mean, tell you things that, hey, I could have easily just gotten offended and said, well, that person must be a wolf and I'm out of here. Those are the very things that caused me to grow, though. Those were beneficial. I look at that and go, I'm so glad that person said that. I would have missed out on a lot of growth if I hadn't been willing to accept that. But what do I hear in a lot of Christian circles oh, let me tell you that story of how this uh, this person at church hurt me. And they tell you the story, and it's kind of like, I don't know that they were wrong. <laughs> like I, they, I think they told you what you needed to hear, they, and you, you didn't want to accept it. And that's a hard thing to say. I love that verse 5, better is open rebuke than hidden love. How often we say, well, I care about that person. I don't want to hurt their feelings. And this kind of almost, I secretly care about them when I'd be better off to actually tell them what they need to hear. For someone like my personality that doesn't like a whole lot of confrontation or controversy or something, this is, that's been, that verse has really been working on me lately. And, hey, it's contrary to our polite society, but we have lost, we've lost a lot of the art of being true friends where, hey, I care about you and I'm watching out for you. And I, I love you too much to just let you keep doing what you're doing. Part of that polite society, we have this misconception in the church where somebody offends me, hurts my feelings, they must, have, they must have been wrong. Strange belief, considering Jesus offended almost everybody he came in contact with and was perfect, without sin. Never did anything wrong. Offended his followers so bad by, he had 72 that he had going out, casting out demons, and he had a whole crowd of like thousands that were following him after he fed them. And 
By the time he gets done being real with all of them, they all leave except the 12. And he's at the Last Supper with the 12, and only 11 of them were legit followers. He ends up with crowds shouting, crucify him. The, the townspeople have a choice to have a prisoner released. They choose a terrorist over him. He was not a popular guy. He offended a lot of people, but never sinned. And I, I find that so fascinating to separate that idea of, the, of, 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 well, somebody said something that offended me from someone actually did something wrong. You might be offended, but the other per- that doesn't mean the other person was wrong. <laughs> but it's so easy to label that person as a wolf. Another thing, as we are getting into and, dis- and talking about wolves being pack hunters, I think it would be bad if I skipped over Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18 is one of those verses we cite a lot in church about conflict resolution. It's the one that says, I'll give you a second there, Matthew 18, 15, basically we're going to pick up. This talks about cases where there's sin in the church and you go and talk to the person, and if that's not resolved, you bring two or three others. I really think I want, I want to make sure that I point out the difference between this and a wolf gathering a pack around them. I think there's a lot of confusion about that. So Matthew 18.15 says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. If they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. principles behind all of this. First of all, there is an actual sin. Not just so-and-so hurt my feelings, but there's an actual sin that the church would recognize as sin. You're involving as few people as possible, and your goal is genuine restoration for the person. And I will tell you, it can be difficult to tell the difference between this and when a wolf is trying to raise, is trying to gather a pack around them to go after somebody. But Jesus tells us you will know them by their fruit. At some point along, you're going to realize either we have a genuine heart to restore this person in the church that's in sin, we love them, we want to help them, versus wait, I'm getting pulled into something where we're going after someone to destroy them. And there is a difference. I, in, in a one sermon, I cannot give you every possible thing that might happen, every possible example. But at some point, you're gonna, you need to be able to see the difference. Look at the motivation. Look at what is the motivation. I want to restore this brother or sister that's in sin, not I'm trying to destroy them or devour them, or any of that. Another thing I want to point out is when we talk about false prophets or false teachers, sometimes, as we grow in the gifts of the Spirit, sometimes people miss. They're, they're trying to learn about prophecy, they'll, give you, they'll, get, they'll, they'll miss, they'll give you the wrong thing. I want to be careful, so, and what some people will say, false prophet, run them out of the church. Low down, hold on. 
It might just be learning. When I'm not that worried about the person who's learning about the gifts of the Spirit makes a mistake. We can, we can disciple them. I'm worried about the person who I'm about to describe, who's trying to rally people around them and go after someone. That's the thing we're worried about. We need to, as a mature church, we need to have room for people to learn the gifts of the Spirit, make some mistakes, not label them false prophet as fast as we can and try to run them, try to run them off. Not, that's not what we want to do. So what are we looking for? Well, Acts 20, Paul is addressing the elders at Ephesus. And he, gives, he also refers to these wolves. And he's going to give us some more insight about what they, what they do, what they look like. Notice we start off with Jesus saying they're false prophets. And what does that mean? A prophet, when they talk about Jesus being a prophet, or they talk about other prophets and teachers, the description was, what they meant by that was, well, you're hearing from God and people are going to follow you because you're hearing from God. That's what we're, that's what we're talking about. Not just, oh, you gave prophecy and whether did it come true or not. Talking about a person that other people will say, oh, that person hears from God. I want to follow them and basically do what they say. Acts 20 in verse 28. Paul speaking to the, he's leaving Ephesus. He knows he's on his way. He knows he's not coming back. He's he's saying, this is the last time I'm going to talk to you. Here's what you need to go, need to know now that I'm not going to be around anymore. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he has bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves, there we are again, savage wolves, will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to, what? Draw away disciples after them. What's the wolf do? I hear from God, I distort the truth, I want people to follow me. This is exact this is the pattern that I have seen personally in more than one church. Person rises up and they can arise from the church. It's not just, oh, it's gonna be some strange person from outside. We'll know him right away. No. It can be actually it can be right in the church. They start to build their spiritual resume. They're telling you things that they're always sharing with things that God told them, but it, it they kind of share it in a way where it, it makes them a big deal. You know what I mean? It don't like it was the testimony. Sounds like it should glorify God, but it see, keeps coming back to them and elevating them. They gather followers, and then they designate their prey, and they send their followers after their prey. It can be. It could be they're offended at some leader in the church. It could be the pastor. It could be any any whoever they target. They they send their pack after that target. In when it says distort the truth, you will notice that their pack that they will filter the information they give to their pack. They only tell the people around them certain negative things, only give them enough information to get to be upset along with them and go and go do whatever they want to do. 
So I'm going to step away from my notes a little bit, talk a little bit from the heart here. So that that is exact. This is exactly what I want to warn today about, and this is what I want to point. I want to get across. We can look in Scripture. We don't really see Scripture address the wolves directly. Kind of surprised me a little bit. We don't really see much about Scripture addressing the wolves. It always addresses everybody else to watch out for the wolves. Scripture's plan for how a church protects themselves against wolves is to become an environment where a wolf cannot gather a pack to themselves. That's the safeguard. That's how you protect your church. A wolf will try. They will come in. They will try to gather a pack. But when the individual church members say, I don't do that. I don't join people's packs. I don't join other people's offenses and other people's battles. You're going to have a church that can be wolf-proof. And that wolf is going to get uncomfortable and they're going to end up moving on. If they can't rally a pack, there's not much they can do. Some point, because I'm, I believe with this, I believe this group is going to continue to grow in in leadership of this church as we're growing. Some point, you will be the wolf will try to recruit you into their pack. If you're in church long enough, that's going to happen. You're either going to become a target, or you're going to going to become a target one of two ways, either a target to join their pack or a target of a, a wolf pack at some point. If you're around long enough, it'll happen. When someone comes to you with an offense, a grievance, something is wrong, we need to do something about it. I'm offended. Two types of people that come to you, right? person comes to you and realizes that being offended is a trap. That leads to bitterness Bitterness is worse than the thing that happened to you that, that caused the bitterness in the first place. Bitterness will destroy you. There are people that realize that they're offended and they're bitter. They come to you and they ask for help. It's like they're in a pit and they're asking you to help them out of it. They say, hey, help me work through this issue. That's great. What's the other kind? I want to pull you into this trap with me. I want you to, I'm offended and I want you to be too. You should be too. There's the person that'll come to you with an issue, and it's you got to figure out like, are you asking me to help you out of that, or are you trying to drag me into it? Because my response is going to be very different between those two. Help you out? Great. Drag me in? No, I don't. Uh, no, no thanks. Don't want that. That's what we got to get be able to discern about. They will come. That's our strategy then. What happens when someone comes to me about that? What, what do I tell them? Do I tell them, hey, have you, let me, let me direct you to Matthew 18. Have you gone and talked to that person? Have you tried to work out? You know, a lot of offenses are misunderstandings, if we're honest about it. You you've, can clear up a whole lot of things just by clearing up a misunderstanding. But the Wolf will take anything they can, try to manipulate it into something that they can use. They will tout a lot about 
what they hear from God. Remember with Moses and his brother Aaron, sister Miriam? They got offended at him. He took a wife from a group that they didn't approve of. They get offended at him. What do they do? They start talking about, God speaks to us. They start telling the other people, ah, our brother's wrong. God speaks to us. And they start building their resume. They start kind of gathering people against Moses. And then they go and they talk before God. And God says, I don't talk to you the same way I talk to Moses. I talk to you in dreams and visions. I talk to Moses face to face. You should have been afraid to do this. Why, why, are, you, why are you standing against him? Oh, that was back in the Old Testament. That happens in churches too. There's there are people that are like, well, God speaks to me, and I I have this, and you should follow me against this other person. And when we have our guard up, and we're going, nope, not going to do it. Not going to take on that. Not going to take on that offense. Not going to join your your pack of wolves. I'm going to move to Hebrews 13 here. This, I'm jumping ahead in my notes, but that's okay. Hebrews 13. This is, I love this verse. I remember even as a kid hearing this verse. This, this will keep, this will clear up a lot of things in church for you. If you can get, if we can get this straight. Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Your church leadership, this is something I like to test myself on. Even as I was growing up in church, like, am I a burden to the church leadership or... Am I behaving in a way where they can uh, they can enjoy their work? That, that keeps a lot of things in, in perspective. And if I'm behaving in a way where I'm making a, a burden on them, I'm making their job difficult, I need to stop and go to God with that. Say, hey, am I doing something wrong here? This So that verse, I highly recommend it as something to kind of I like to use it to keep myself in check, even. Also, as an elder in the church, I also like to remind myself that, yeah, I better watch over the flock, and I'm one has to give an account for that. So that's a good reminder, too. As we grow in leadership, and I'm, I'm hoping, you know, those of us here are going to grow into leadership, you got to remember that part, too. Like, I'm supposed to be on, I'm supposed to be on guard, and I have to give an account. So I want to be careful how I, how I act. As we are growing in leadership, though, the more you grow in leadership, the more likely you are to be a target for a wolf pack. The way it works. And there is this lie that we need to talk about. There's this concept that, no, they won't come after me. I won't be a target. I'm, uh, I'm so nice. I'm so careful not to offend people. I'm such a good communicator. I won't have any misunderstandings. They won't come after me. It's a wolf. It doesn't need a reason to attack. That's its nature. A wolf is not offended at its prey. It's its prey. It's a wolf. It does that by its very nature. It doesn't need a reason. So this misconception that, well, I'll just be really careful and everybody will like me and get along with 
No, the wolf is going to attack you regardless. You're not, you're not going to, to somehow appease it. That's its very nature. Be on guard. Uh, realize that as you're, as you're growing in, in leadership in the church. It doesn't mean you're just a senior pastor gets attacked too. You can be any position in the church and somebody will like, I want to bring you down. <laughs> Didn't even do anything, but they just do. The best warning I can, the best for that is, again, we keep coming back to the same thing. If we've got a church that says, I don't join wolf packs, that wolf is going to feel so out of place, they're going to leave. They're going to move on. They usually do that either way. And here is the warning for potential. If you're trying to, if they're trying to recruit you into a wolf pack, it doesn't turn out well for the pack. Church splits, church closings. The wolf leads their charge against whoever it is, destroys things. And if they don't have something that they can control at that point, they just move on. And the wolf pack, their followers are standing around going, what just happened? We're we're standing in the middle of ruins, and and the person we're following just moved on to the next thing, and what have we done? This didn't help us at all. This is terrible. I know people that I think of very highly Christian people who have fallen into that. I feel for them. I don't, I don't blame them or point at them and say, how dare you fall into that wolf pack? I, I think very well of them, but they made a mistake and they regret it. And they go, yeah, I wish I'd handled that differently. That church is gone now. I didn't get anything out of it. I know one guy who, uh, when he found out he had been spreading lies on behalf of a wolf about the pastor, he started calling people and telling, I, I was wrong. I, I, I didn't know I was spreading lies. I'm so sorry. I respect that a lot. That's really cool, somebody wanting to fix what they did wrong. But I guarantee you, I don't want to end up in that position. <laughs> I don't want to have to do that. I respect that he did, but wouldn't he be better off if he didn't have to do that at all? I'm sure he would have chosen the other way where he never did that in the first place. So be careful. Someone comes to you, wants to, hey, because it says in Acts, they'll distort the truth. Doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't say that they will just give you these lies that you know from a mile away are lies. It says, hey, let me tell you, and they'll tell you a part of a truth. They'll distort it a little bit. You'll start, you'll get pieces, they'll filter information. Things they tell you might not actually be a lie, but the way they filtered it, you, they, they lead you to being offended and attack someone else. So I'm going to go ahead and invite Gracie up to close in worship, but I do want to close with this. Is our church, <clears throat> does our church have the heart of Hebrews 13? that says, don't make the work a burden for the leadership. Let their work be a joy. I think overall, I actually think this is the nice part of giving this message at this stage of a, of a church, is that I think so, I think we need to guard that. I think we do have that, and I think we need to guard it. It's a great time to prep, and great time to choose and say, hey, 
What kind of church are we? Are we the kind that somebody can start telling us, someone can start saying, hey, join my group against, or are we the kind that say, as soon as we see that, we say, no, no thanks. I know from what I've seen, the damage that it does to a church, the damage that it does to the followers. I feel bad oftentimes for the followers that get recruited into that, just going, a lot of times they end up regret with regrets and end up ashamed and end up like, why did I do that? I'm like, hey, I don't, I don't feel bad t- towards you. I feel bad for you. Uh, avoid that. Avoid that. Uh, <laughs> if you, if someone does come to you, I'm kind of recapping here, but you understand. When someone does come to you with a grievance, you got Matthew, you got Matthew 18. Also, a good thing to do, you may have to start, you may actually have to practice Proverbs 27 there. You may have to tell them, look, I know you're upset, but what you're upset about might be the something you need to hear. And that's not easy to do, but that could be really helpful to that person. You also find out pretty fast if they're a wolf or not at that point, because if they're if there's a genuine heart, they'll hear they'll hear that and at least consider. They may get offended, but at least they'll consider. It. But if they if they attack you and try to rally other people to attack you, okay, you figure things out then at that point. Like, oh, okay, that's that's what we're doing. All right, so. I'm going to go ahead and pray. We're going to worship some. But here is my challenge for today. What I'd love to see is that we as a church say, we're standing right here and saying, we're not the kind of people that are going to get pulled into a wolf pack. We cannot do anything about the fact that there will be wolves that rise up or come among us. We're warned about that. We cannot do that. You cannot see them coming. You cannot. It, it, we, we, that will happen. We're seeking both locations to grow a lot. Inevitable. Going to happen. But if all along we are setting, not just ourselves, but we're encouraging one another, saying we're not the kind of place where a wolf is going to be able to form a pack, we're going to have a really solid church and a well-protected church. That is my desire myself and my challenge to you is be able to join in that and make that decision. I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, guard us. You've you've told leadership to watch over the flock and Lord, we are all desiring to grow more and be leaders within the church. Help us to guard our own hearts. Help us to guard one another. Let Wellspring be a place where Wolf says, I I can't thrive there. I can't gather a pack there. There's just no place for me there. That's that's what we ask for, Lord. A well-protected, guarded church where each person is making the decision of, no, I don't join join a pack to attack someone. Lord, deal with us where if we see in ourselves tendencies tendencies to be a wolf, Lord, that we repent and not go to the point of becoming one. Thank you, Lord. We 
want to be people that hear from you, Lord, and we pray that we give you the glory. We don't seek platforms for ourselves. And when we see if there, when there is offense, Lord, that we forgive, we seek restoration, that we love one another the way that you've loved us, Lord. In Jesus' name. closing thoughts um, this is one of those topics I like to give examples to illustrate what I'm teaching and this is one of those sensitive topics where you, you can't give full examples, you can't name names we're, we're, we wouldn't do that talking about some other church or anything like that we don't do anything. We record these things, put them online. We, we don't do, we don't name names or do something that would that would publicly embarrass anybody. We don't, we would never do that. So that makes it a little difficult to give examples in the way that I would normally like to. Um, we'll say this. Like they're, they're, I'm thinking of things from years ago where there might, there's a, you know, a time I'm offended at somebody and maybe I'm teaching in class or I'm doing something where I have a platform or there are people that do listen to me that I could they might follow me and share in my offense towards someone else that scares me and uh, and when I'm in that role or something I I leave that at that that offense is at the, stays at the door. That doesn't come in with me. That is something where uh, I'll go and talk to that person individually. There's no way that I want to bring that into a church group or have other people take on an offense with me. That that whole thought scares me. That that no good will come of that. Only harm. So when I'm asking you to do that, I'm not asking. I'm asking you to the same thing. I'd ask of myself whatever position you're in, you have an issue with somebody, follow Matthew 18. Don't try to, don't use any position to try to rally people against someone else. Follow, follow the scripture of that. This applies every area of life. You go school, workplace, whatever, there will always be somebody who wants you to join them against someone else. You're not going to be happy with the outcome of that. Because they'll toss you, as when they're done using you, they'll toss you aside too and you've hurt someone else and got hurt yourself. No upside to that. Love one another. (laughs) Be merciful with one another. And you do have a grievance. Go to the person. Talk to them. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our church family. Continue to teach us to guard ourselves and guard one another. And realize, Lord, those <laughs> as we become leaders, Lord, we are accountable to you. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for your conviction. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen.